Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet Welcome is on the phone. Welcome to episode 568 of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, America, the Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022 people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody's ready for a loaded, freakishly loaded mid-August episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know. We're going to open. The Big Ten has itself a new TV contract, baby, and boy, oh boy, did those schools get paid. We're going to discuss that, but more importantly, what the news from Monday means for Notre Dame for the Pac-12, for the college football playoff, because I think the ramifications for the rest of the sport are much bigger than just the Big Ten. From there, we are going to go. Uh, First college football coaches poll was released. Yes, it means nothing in the grand scheme, but we're college football fans, baby. And what do college football fans do better than anybody? Oh, they overreact. So we're going to overreact, share some thoughts on that first college football playoff poll. Finally, we will hit our Wednesday mailbag segment. Some really good questions. A couple of you chimed in on the uh, NCAA tournament. Is it possible that we may remove automatic bids there? Yes, that'd be terrible, but yes, I think it could be coming. Uh, Arkansas has a new NIL program for their basketball team. What does that mean? A few other questions that we will get into in the mailbag segment, but loaded show, fun show. Two quick announcements. One, Make sure you're following on social media because there's a lot of really cool stuff coming for AT Media. Uh, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Obviously, Aaron Torres Pod is also one of our Twitter accounts as well. And speaking of fun stuff, college football betting. We did a college football betting specific show last year. Uh, we have ramped it back up for the fall. We've already done over under win total bets uh, and shows on the SEC East, the SEC West, the Big Ten East, and the Big Ten West. We'll do the Big 12 later this week. Uh, Heisman odds, Pac-12, ACC, all that good stuff before the season. Make sure to find that uh, on the Aaron Torres podcast media feed. Just search basically uh, college football betting with Aaron Torres. You can't miss it. We have also built out a YouTube channel for college football betting, so make sure to pay attention there. Subscribe there. Be a friend, if you will, and subscribe to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is 
What is that noise that I hear in the background? I hear a faint noise. Oh, it's cash registers. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue. You're rich, baby. That's right, because part of the reason that a month ago, USC and UCLA decided to move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten is that it only enhanced the Big Ten's TV contract. And over the last couple weeks, we've been trying to figure out what that TV contract will look like. And finally, on Monday, we got the details. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, is it absolutely fascinating for the world of college football as a whole. First of all, let's get to the details. Then I'm going to give you the big picture stuff because as I just said a second ago, I think it really does have big picture ramifications on the Pac-12, Notre Dame, the college football playoff, etc. But first of all, in terms of just the strictly what you need to know, the Big Ten now has three very exclusive windows on three very distinct networks. Okay, Think of it almost like the NFL. Remember, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, has an NFL background. Well, now the Big Ten has an NFL TV structure as well. Noon, Eastern, that Fox Big Noon kickoff will stay as it always has. Fox will broadcast the best game of the week from the Big Ten every single Saturday. From there, CBS. Remember, CBS loses the SEC to ESPN in the coming weeks or coming years, excuse me. Eventually, all SEC games will be on ESPN, ESPN Family of Networks, and the SEC Network. The Big Ten now will have a game on CBS at 3:30. And then NBC now appears ready to be broadcasting a 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern time Big Ten game. So basically, if you love Big Ten football, if nothing gets you more fired up than Iowa versus Illinois on a Saturday, you are in luck. Because 12 o'clock Fox, 3.30 CBS, 7, 7.30, 8 on NBC, all standalone games. Obviously, there will still be games on the Big Ten Network. There is the possibility that there will be a separate streaming package sold to one of the streaming networks. But for the most part, that is what you need to know. Now, more importantly, why it's important for this show is a couple things. One, the money is just astronomical, okay? So we don't have all the details, but we are looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of one to $1.5 billion with a B for this TV uh, contract. This is per year, again, in large part because you are getting money from three separate networks, okay? And that is important because just think about this. If you want to know how much money the Big Ten is going to get, understand this. CBS, on its own, is paying $350 million for the second and third tier game. So Fox gets the best game every week. And then CBS for the second or third game is paying $350 million a year. Not for the best game. Not for Michigan, Ohio State. Not for potentially Penn State, Ohio State, or whatever the best game of the week is. For the second or third best game, CBS is paying $350 million. And that tells you how big of a brand the Big Ten is as an entity, how big the individual schools are, and how much money these schools are going to make. So what does it all mean in the big picture? First of all, my first reaction has nothing to do with anything other than sentimental value, but it is going to be kind of weird. For the first time in 40 years, there will be no Big Ten football on ESPN. Now, don't feel too bad for the Big Ten or, or for ESPN. Uh, no tears for Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet because, as I just said a minute ago, 
ESPN now is the exclusive rights holder to the SEC, and so because of it, ESPN will be ESPN and ABC will be giving us nothing but great SEC games across the day, right? So probably they will probably play the best game in a 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern time window on ABC or ESPN. They'll probably put a really good game in that 3.30 window as well. I don't know if it's going to have quite the feel of the CBS game right now, but obviously if the Big Ten is going to be on CBS – you know what that means. The SEC is going to compete. ESPN is going to compete. And so it's just going to be weird, though, that for all of these years, we have big, the Big Ten, I feel like, has kind of been synonymous for most of my life with ESPN. Now, increasingly over the last couple of years, with Fox getting the best game, it has been more tied to Fox. Now, the ESPN Big Ten relationship, at least for this contract, outside of obviously the postseason, it's officially over. You will not see. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, regular season games on ESPN. But to me, where the real interesting conversation comes in is what it means for the rest of college football, right? Because I think to me, anytime anything happens, especially with the Big Ten, with the SEC, with TV, it always has the trickle-down effect of what does it mean for all of those other things that we talk about? What does it mean for Notre Dame? What does it mean for the future of the Pac-12 if such a thing exists? What does it mean for the college football playoff as a whole? Well, to me, Monday's news actually means a ton for all of that. And so one thing I always like to do, and I think I do a pretty decent job at it, and it's why this show is growing, thank you guys and girls for your support, is that there's the headline, but then there's the story behind the story. And to me, the headline is Big Ten, billion dollars, whatever. Great for Iowa and Purdue and Illinois and Northwestern. But it's the trickle-down effect of everything else that matters to me. So let's start with Notre Dame. Because I think any conversation about anything to do with expansion, with TV, with the college football play, with whatever, it always has to do with what does it mean for Notre Dame? Is Notre Dame going to join a conference? Does this change anything for Notre Dame? And I think when I look at Notre Dame, I think this could mean one of two things, obviously, right? Could make it more likely they join a conference, could make it less likely that they join a conference. And when I look at Monday's news about this Big Ten contract, what it says to me, I think it makes it much less likely that Notre Dame joins a conference, and I think it makes it much more likely that they stay independent. So the question becomes, Torres, why would you say that? What a, the Big Ten wants to have all this footprint, all this real estate. Why does this mean that it makes it less likely that Notre Dame will join the Big Ten? Well, here's why. It really goes back to something that I talked about on this show probably about two weeks ago. If you remember two weeks ago, there was the big report that Notre Dame wanted insane money to stay independent. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $75 million a year from NBC to keep their to, to stay independent, keep all their home games on NBC. And if you remember that conversation, what I said at the time, and this was other people's reporting, I'm not claiming that this was my own original thing, I think it was Dennis Dodd who had this report, but that NBC wasn't opposed to paying Notre Dame $75 million. And keep in mind, Notre Dame wanted the $75 million because all these Big Ten teams are going to be in the $80 to $100 million range, and they had to change their contract or they're not going to be able to keep up financially. But why I bring it up is because at the time, what I told you was this. I said, from all reports, 
No, NBC is not afraid to give Notre Dame what it wants, but they need something else before they can give Notre Dame that money. And what they needed is what NBC deemed to be shoulder programming. What is shoulder programming? I talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. It was NBC, before they were going to commit to Notre Dame, they wanted to get some other games on their network as well. Right now, they pay Notre Dame about $25, $30 million a year, but that's really the only college football that NBC has. You tune in at 3.30 for a Notre Dame game, Notre Dame finishes, you tune it off, and you don't go back to NBC until Sunday night football the following day. And so NBC was basically saying, look, we'll pay Notre Dame what they want, but we need to have something else on our network that keeps people there either before Notre Dame plays or after Notre Dame plays. And so why I think it makes it less likely that Notre Dame uh, goes to a conference and remains independent is because we got just that on Monday. On Monday, we found out that NBC has itself a Saturday night college football package that is the Big Ten. And so it won't be the best game. It won't be Michigan-Ohio State. It won't be this. It won't be that. But now, all of a sudden, you have yourself a nice little six, seven, eight-hour window where you can see two potentially really good games on NBC over the course of a Saturday. Notre Dame plays at 3.30. Maybe they play, I don't know, Purdue at home or uh, Florida State at home. Right now they have that, that, that uh, uh, tie to the ACC, North Carolina at home, Virginia Tech, whoever. And then, oh, by the way, you got to stick around because ES, uh, NBC now has that Saturday night Big Ten game. So maybe you watch Notre Dame, Purdue in the afternoon, and then that leads into Ohio State versus Wisconsin or whatever. That is why I think it makes it more likely that Notre Dame stays independent because NBC now has the programming surrounding Notre Dame that they wanted. Now, I think some of you would ask the question, though, is this. Well, if NBC is paying hundreds of millions of dollars per year without Notre Dame, why not just say to Notre Dame, sorry, you got to get into the Big Ten now because we're paying all this money for Big Ten con- for the Big Ten contract and we want we can get a bunch of Notre Dame games as part of that on top of everything else. Well, one, why I don't think that makes sense for NBC is, first of all, you lose the exclusivity of Notre Dame. You have the contract right now. This guarantees you six to seven home games per year, every year, Notre Dame, no doubt about it, probably, and this is no disrespect to Alabama or Texas or Florida or Miami, but Notre Dame's probably still the biggest national brand in college football, regardless of what they've won in the playoff and all that stuff. But two... If you make Notre Dame join the Big Ten, then you lose the shoulder programming that we were just talking about. The whole point of getting the Big Ten package was to make sure that you had something to surround Notre Dame games with. And so now if Notre Dame's in the Big Ten, all you got is one Big Ten game that's a standalone with nothing else around it. So to me, I believe this makes it more likely that Notre Dame, for the totality of the next TV contract, for the totality of this NBC Big Ten contract, it makes it more likely, in my opinion, that Notre Dame stays independent and does not join the Big Ten or any other conference. Secondly, and this is very interesting to me, what does it mean for the future of the Pac-12? And the Pac-12, I think this is another one where it could mean something, but it could mean nothing. Because if Notre Dame stays independent, I do still think it makes it less likely that any expansion happens anywhere. Because remember, for expansion to happen, for expansion to happen, 
some school has to bring some value to the existing TV contract of that conference. And so right now, to be honest, there is no Pac-12 school that's sitting there that immediately brings value to the Big Ten contract or to the ACC, SEC, whatever. Here's the thing, though, and this is something I was thinking about. What did I just tell you a minute ago about Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commish? We can criticize him, and you know I have criticized Kevin Warren quite a bit on this pod. Bent over backwards for those conference presidents uh, during COVID, but he comes from the NFL, and he's looking at this from an NFL perspective. We got one window on this network, one window on this network, one window on this network. Well, what is the one thing that's missing? We got a 12 o'clock game on Fox, a... What do we got here? 12 o'clock game on Fox, 3.30 game on CBS, 7, 7.30 game on NBC. Well, now, what do we do about the late night? And so that's where, in theory, it could lead to further expansion. I saw Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. Uh, no comment on that. But uh, she, she is a, a good reporter. Um, and she at least hinted that the possibility exists that the Big Ten could now add the Bay Area schools and Oregon and Washington to create an exclusive late-night window that could then be sold as a separate TV package and make even more money for Big Ten schools. At the same time, while that is possible and while it could lead to more expansion, weirdly, I think this Big Ten package gives the Pac-12, as weird as it sounds, some more leverage. And it's because of something I talked about a few weeks ago. A lot of you commented to me privately, and I appreciate you doing so. This, this contract from, from Fox or, or from the Big Ten, what now has happened is this. And Kevin Warren talked about this at Big Ten Media Days, and we talked about it on this show. With USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, it gives the Big Ten, at the very least, at least one game a week on the West Coast, to broadcast late at night. And so now all of a sudden you can put USC in that late night window and you can sell that package however you want or you can put it on whatever network you want. And because of it, I think it now gives leverage to the Pac-12 to go back to ESPN and say, well, Fox has USC and UCLA. Are you just going to punt that late night time slot? Or can we get together and can we put something together to keep these 10 teams, maybe add one or two, Boise and San Diego State would probably be the two that would make the most sense, can we do something to keep this conference together because you need late night programming? Now, a couple things. One, I did see a report that the Big Ten is already saying they're not going to play late night West Coast games or 7.30 West Coast, 10.30 Eastern time kickoffs in the Big Ten. First of all, that's stupid. Uh, second of all, shame on USC and UCLA. They're already being treated as second class citizens. Two, I'm not totally sure that I buy that. But what I do buy is the Pac-12 now for the first time has real leverage. Okay, the Big Ten has USC and UCLA. Are you really? Are you really going to just punt on that late night window ESPN? Even worse, do you want those schools to go to the Big Ten and then you're really screwed? You have nothing to show after 10 o'clock at night. Once that SEC game goes final, good luck trying to compete with, you know, Ohio State at USC or potentially if those other schools come a home game at Oregon, a home game at Washington, whatever. And so I think the Pac-12 now has leverage. And then, like I said a minute ago, or like I said a few weeks ago, the Pac-12 also might be the first one that just says, screw, you know, screw ESPN, screw Fox. We can get some money maybe from Amazon or maybe from Apple or whatever. And I hate doing all this TV hypothetical, 
But I think this is important because what it says to me, what the Big Ten TV contract said to me, was that I do believe it makes it more likely that the Pac-12 survives. Now, are they going to get the money that the SEC and the Big Ten have gotten? Of course not. I'm not saying that. But two, three weeks ago, we didn't know if this conference was going to exist at all. Now I think it makes it more likely that it does exist. Might be a shorter deal. Uh, Obviously, I don't think Oregon and Washington are going to commit to anything for 15 years like the ACC did or 10 years or whatever. But I think this is a good day. If you are a Pac-12 fan and you weren't sure what was going to happen to your school, I think today is probably a very good day. Finally, we got to talk about the college football playoff because to me, I also think this is a sign of what is to come with the college football playoff. And again, I'll give Kevin Warren credit. I've criticized him a lot now. This is not a Kevin Warren love fest, but he comes from the NFL. Again, the NFL has the way that the NFL is structured is they have you know games on CBS and Fox during the day on Sunday. The Thursday night games are now going to Amazon. The Sunday night game is on NBC. The Monday night game is on ESPN. Five different networks competing for NFL coverage because it is the highest rated show every single week, etc. And so why I bring it up, it's because part of the reason that Kevin Warren and the Big Ten fought against college football playoff expansion was because ESPN had an exclusive negotiating window up to a certain amount of time. Well, now... The Big Ten kind of just set the blueprint of what a future college football playoff TV schedule could look like. And you guys and girls know for, that for years I've never been in favor of an, of an expanded playoff. Now, last summer when it looked like it was coming, I just accepted it. I don't know if it's better for the regular season in college football. I don't know if it's a better way to determine a champion. I'm still a believer that you know college football is the only sport in America where you have to watch every single week. I don't know why you want to denigrate or devalue the regular season. But whether I like it or not, a 12 and 16 team playoff is coming. And one thing that did stand out to me when I saw that Big Ten TV contract the other day, what stood out to me was, oh, this is going to look like the NFL playoffs. You know how the NFL playoffs work, right? You have those Saturday wild card games and they're on one network. And then, you know, Fox gets its wild card game and, and ESPN get, now has a Monday night playoff game. Remember, the Rams and Cardinals played a Monday night playoff game last year. And then, you know, Fox has this round, and whoever has that round, and then you, you rotate the Super Bowl. I think that's where we're going with the college football playoff. Now, is it 12 teams? Is it 16 teams? How the structure works, I do not know. But I think that's where we're going, and I think that that new college football playoff contract is going to be opened up to all of these networks, and now that all of these networks have an investment in college football, we know ESPN does, we know Fox does, we know that CBS and NBC now do, I think we see a world where the college football playoff gets shared among all of those networks, where maybe, uh, you know, if it's a 12-team playoff, you get those four opening kind of wild card games, maybe two go to NBC, two go to CBS, then the following week you get a doubleheader on Fox, a doubleheader on ESPN, then you get the two semifinals, one on Fox and one on ESPN, and then you get a, a rotating national championship game on NBC, CBS, Fox, whatever, ESPN as well. And so that, to me, is probably the biggest sign of what is to come. I've criticized Kevin Warren for a lot, but I think he opened the Pandora's box to the reality that college football, as different as college football, maybe some of the semantics of it look from even a few years ago, when I talk about NIL, the transfer portal, whatever, I think the regular season 
the postseason and viewing habits are going to look quite a bit different thanks to this new Big Ten contract. Can't lie, that was a pretty fire segment to open the Air Tour Sports Podcast. That was a great segment. This is what I'm going to do. Going to take a quick break, going to come back, and when I come back, let's overreact to the coaches poll. Coaches poll dropped on Monday. Yes, it really means nothing, but college football fans, one thing they do better than anybody, boy, oh boy, do they like to overreact. We'll overreact to that next. I'll give you four or five teams I think are overrated, underrated, whatever. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome in a new sponsor, the single best sports auction website on the internet, at least in my opinion, Pristine Auctions and PristineAuctions.com. PristineAuctions.com is the most trusted memorabilia auction site on the internet with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1.00. And each day, there are over a 1,000 autograph items available, so you win signed, authentic signatures at affordable prices. In addition to the sports stuff, there are comic books, trading cards, action figures, great items to add to your collections. Before the show, you already know what I did. I went on pristineauction.com, and you will not believe what I saw. You guys know, I'm a UConn guy, searched UConn. Oh, there was all sorts of Jim Calhoun paraphernalia. UConn Huskies, pristineauction.com. Just search UConn, you find all sorts of good stuff. Kentucky fans went on there, searched, played around a little bit. Some autographed stuff from last year's team, John Calipari, Ty Ty Washington, who's now in the NBA, all at pristineauctions.com. Here's the best part. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today. And here is why I am so excited to work with pristineauctions.com. Go ahead and get $10 off. When you win an auction, you get $10 off when you use the code TORRES after winning that auction. So pristineauctions.com, make a bid. Win the auction because you're going to win. Everybody that listens to this show is a winner, baby. Pristineauctions.com, win. Use the promo code TORRES, $10 off. Your first win on pristineauctions.com. Again, pristineauctions.com. Use the promo code Torres. We are excited to be working with pristineauctions.com. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Thank you again to our sponsors, Pristine Auctions, pristineauctions.com. I just told you the drill. Go to pristineauctions.com when you win your auction. Use promo code TORRES, $10 at checkout. Really cool deal. Really cool website. As I said, never too early to go get those early Christmas presents, those early holiday gifts. $10 off at checkout. When you hand those holiday gifts out, tell them TORRES sent you, pristineauctions.com. All right, let's switch gears. Let's stay on college football, though, and let's do something that college football fans do better than anyone else on the planet, and that is completely overreact to something And yes, I am talking about the coaches poll, which dropped on Monday. Obviously, we all know college football during the regular season. We have the AP poll. The first AP poll comes out next week. And then we have the coaches poll as well. And whenever a poll comes out, I always get the same reaction, which is polls don't matter. And you know what? You guys and girls are right. They actually do not matter. 
But that doesn't stop you from yelling and screaming when you don't like where your team is ranked anyway, right? Remember, the, the polls don't really matter because we obviously have the college football playoff committee, which selects the four teams that make the playoff. So the polls are really just for something to talk about. But as I said, it never stopped anybody from yelling and screaming and complaining when the polls came out. And so with the first poll out Monday, I figured I'd do what every other college football fan is doing. Talk about it, react to it, and I'm going to give you five teams that I believe are either overrated or underrated in that first coaches poll. First of all, for some context, quickly going to go through the top 10. Uh, no real surprises in that top 10. Alabama's number one. They're awesome. They return everybody. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, whatever, no surprise there. Ohio State number two. C.J. Stroud is back. Jackson Smith and Jigba, their star wide receiver, is back. No surprise with Ohio State at two. Georgia, the defending national champions, three. Clemson, four. Notre Dame, five. Michigan, of course, the reigning Big Ten champ. Do not forget that. It was not Ohio State that won the Big Ten last year. It was Michigan. They're six. Texas A&M is seven. Utah is eight. Oklahoma is nine. And Baylor, remember, it was Baylor, not Oklahoma last year, which won the Big 12. They are in at number 10. A couple other notable teams before we get to the overrated, underrated portion of it. Uh, Oregon at 12. Michigan State, I find very interesting, coming off an 11-win year, is at 14. At 15 is the USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley's first team, coming in at number 15. Miami at number 17, Mario Cristobal's first year. Texas at number 18. Oh, we're going to talk about them, don't you worry. Number 20, Wisconsin. Interesting. They usually start a little bit higher, coming off a disappointing 9-4 and four year. Uh, 21, Kentucky. 22, Cincinnati. 23, Arkansas. 24, Ole Miss. And 25, Houston. So with that said, let's get to the teams that I deem to be overrated and underrated again uh, with all the context of none of this really matters, but it isn't going to stop us from talking to talk about it anyway. First of all, the first team that I deem to be overrated, drumroll please, number five, Notre Dame is overrated. And listen, this isn't the typical Notre Dame sucks. They're overrated. They don't play anybody. They need to join a conference. I hate Notre Dame. That is not what I am doing here. But when I look back at Notre Dame from last year, and when I really look at Notre Dame going into this year, a few things stand out. First of all, you go back to Notre Dame last year. Listen, I, I'm not an anti-Notre Dame guy. I think I've been more supportive of Notre Dame over the last couple years than anybody. What Brian Kelly did there is incredible. What I think Marcus Freeman is going to do is only build upon it. But you go back to last year, yeah, they finished 11-1, and but you could pick some holes in that schedule. So they finished 11-1, and their only losses to Cincinnati. But look at who they beat. They beat USC, which fired their coach. We know that was the worst USC team in forever. Beat Virginia Tech, fired its coach. North Carolina, one of the most disappointing teams in college football. Notre Dame beat them. Stanford, absolutely stunk. Notre Dame beat them. Florida State, missed a bowl game. Notre Dame beat them. Wisconsin, completely underachieved last year at 9-4. and four. Notre Dame beat them. And so when I look at Notre Dame even going into this year based off last year, a couple things stand out. One, there are some years when people do the whole, Notre Dame didn't play anybody, and it's total nonsense. Last year was not the year. Like I said, two of the marquee wins were over teams that fired their coaches, USC and Virginia Tech. Two were against teams that were some of the most underachieving in college football, North Carolina and Florida State. Stanford stunk. Wisconsin underachieved as well. And here's the other reason that I know that Notre Dame probably wasn't as good as its record indicated a year ago. It's because Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU when Notre Dame still had a chance to make the playoff. 
And so even Brian Kelly knew that while his team was 11-1 and had an outside shot at the playoff, they really weren't national championship caliber. And so moving ahead to this year, I see a very flawed Notre Dame team in Marcus Freeman's first season. And again, it's not a rip on Marcus Freeman. He's not going to do the job. I think he was the right hire. I think he was the right guy for this job. But you look at this team. They lose their starting quarterback, Jack Cohn. They basically have no really meaningful snaps at cent- under center excuse me, from the quarterback position. Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine from Connecticut, baby. Uh, both those guys were backups, got minimal snaps last year. They also lost their best running back, 1,000-yard rusher, Kyron Williams, excuse me. He was basically their best offensive weapon. And the defense was fine last year, but it was hardly elite, and they lost a lot off that as well. Beyond that with Notre Dame, I understand that preseason rankings are supposed to be reflective of who you are now, not looking at the schedule and who you may be in November or December. But Marcus Freeman walked into a gauntlet of a schedule in year one. First of all, we all know where Notre Dame's opening up the season, right? At Ohio State, in the horseshoe, against his the school that Marcus Freeman played at Ohio State. Good luck with that one. Uh, Outside of Alabama, I don't think anybody would even be favored or considered having a shot to win at Ohio State to open the season. Maybe Georgia, I don't know. The point being is that I do think uh, that's going to be a loss right there. That's not a disrespect to Marcus Freeman. It's just the truth. Beyond that, I do think North Carolina is improved. They were terrible last year. I think they'll be good this year. That game is at North Carolina. They play BYU on a neutral field. But look at the final few games in the schedule. Return game, Clemson. Remember, Clemson played at Notre Dame a few years ago during COVID. It was one of the games of the year. It was the game that we thought DJ Uyla was the next to Sean Watson or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, not so much. But Clemson comes to Notre Dame, and I'll tell you this. If DJ ain't the guy, they'll have made the move to back up Cade Klubnick by then. And then Notre Dame closes at USC, which is going to be a much tougher opponent than it's been in years. Keep in mind, that'll be week 12 under Lincoln Riley. That team will have hit some sort of rhythm. And so I look at Notre Dame. Five is just too high. Three really tough games at Ohio State, at USC, Clemson at home. No established starting quarterback. This is a good team, but they're probably an 8-4 and four to 9-3 and three type team. Second team, also overrated, the Baylor Bears at number 10. And listen, Baylor was an incredible story last year. And if you remember, year two, under Dave Aranda, Matt Rule goes to the NFL. Year one is COVID. It's a mess. Start, stop. They had a million games canceled or postponed or delayed. And then last year, out of nowhere, they're this great story. They win the Big 12, final play of the game, go to the Sugar Bowl, beat Ole Miss, and... Lane Kiffin in that Sugar Bowl. But while they were a great story last year, let's look at them this year. I don't get the hype with them this year. They're the preseason Big 12 favorite. I like Oklahoma a lot more than them. You look at this team, they lost a 1,000-yard rusher, Abraham Smith. They lost their best wide receiver, Tyquan Thornton. And a defense which was really good and really veteran is now young and rebuilding. Now, they'll be really good up front. But they lose a bunch off the back end, including JT Woods, who led college football in interceptions with six last year. And I just look at this Baylor team. I see a good team. I see eight and four. I believe in Dave Aranda. I don't love them, though, and I would add this, too, with them. Their starting quarterback, Jerry Buchan- uh, uh, Gary Buchanan, left in the offseason. And I understand it's because he lost the job to Blake Shapin. I get all that. But at the same time, you're asking a, a quarterback that played one great game, and he was great in that Big 12 championship game. You're asking that guy to step in. And I just, I, I, I don't, 
I don't see it. It's not that I don't think they're good. I think they're fine. I think we're talking about an 8-4 and four type team. But you look at a team that this year now has Oklahoma on the road, Texas on the road. Those were both wins last year. I don't see them as a top 10 team. I think they're probably in the top 20. I don't see them as a top 10 team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Third team. I also deem to be overrated. We'll get to some underrated teams in a minute. But how about those Texas Longhorns? And I'll say this in defense of Texas. If it was just about being ranked 18, I don't know that I would have so much of an issue with it. But check this out, and I'm sure many of you saw this. They got a first-place vote in this poll. Whoever gave them first-place vote needs to be fired from this job, and it's a free job. You'll get paid for it. It's the coach's poll. And so I don't know who voted for them, but you can't possibly justify having Texas as the number one team in the country. I don't even think you can really justify them having top 15, top 20. 18 feels about as high as you can go. And when it comes to Texas, it's really a lot of what I talked about on the last episode. And I'm not going to you know, rediscuss every single thing that I talked about last, last episode. But this was a team that was obviously not very good this year, five, last year, 5-7. and seven. They lost to Kansas. But what stands out to me about Texas going into this coming season is this. Is that there's a renewed excitement for two things that I don't know that we should be that excited about. One, I think a lot of the hype around Texas is just that they're killing it in recruiting in the class of 2023. Well, guess what? Arch Manning and all his buddies don't get to campus for another year. Has nothing to do with this year. And two, yes, Texas killed it in the portal, but most of the guys that they brought in that are difference makers are on the offensive side of the football. Quinn Ewer is a quarterback. Isaiah Nayor, a wide receiver. Uh, Ajayi Hall from Alabama. Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama. And so what stands out to me about that is a couple things. One, you brought in a couple guys with a little bit of sketchy attitude issues. You know who I'm talking about, the kids from Alabama. Not saying they're bad people, but they left for a reason. And this is a program that, remember, it was just two or three months ago that we were talking about the idea of, uh, you know, we were talking about the idea that this was a program that very much was struggling with character issues still in their program. Remember, they had players during spring ball come out and say, you know, I think some of our young guys are hanging out at the bar too much. I think they're having too much fun. I think they're, they think they already made it just because they got to Texas. We can't have that. So that was the, the attitude this spring. And so I'm supposed to believe that this is going to change 360 degrees by the fall, by the time of kickoff. I don't buy it. Also, and I think this is important too, what did I just say? All those good players came in on offense. The offense wasn't the problem last year. It was the defense. 
It was a defense that gave up 57 points to Kansas, 55 to Oklahoma in the Red River game, 30 plus points to seven of nine Big 12 opponents. And so I could go on and on, but this idea that Texas is fixed because they got Quinn Ewers, the problem wasn't at quarterback. The problem wasn't at wide receiver. You know, this is like a, a, a basketball player that, that is a great athlete that dunks, that can throw down with anybody but can't hit an open jumper. It's him going into the gym and just practicing dunking. You got to get behind the three-point line and practice. It's basically Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, we know you can you score two feet away. Shoot a three-pointer. Well, that's Texas. We know you're great on offense. That was never the issue. You got to get better on defense. And so forgive me, but I'm a little bit skeptical about Texas at number 18, and they certainly do not deserve a first place vote. Let's get to two teams that I believe are underrated and should be ranked. And the first one is the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I'll say this. I don't, you know, the internet does not like James Franklin. And I don't really get it. Now, I understand last year, seven and five, a little bit of a disappointment. COVID the year before, a little bit of a disappointment. So we're coming off back-to-back disappointing years. But from 2016 to 2019, James Franklin won 11 games, 11 games, 9 games, and 11 games. Then COVID happened. Then last year he was 7-5. and five. But even that 7-5 and five comes with a little grain of salt because they were 5-0 and oh going into a game against Iowa at Iowa. They were up 17-3 to three against Iowa in that game on the road. And their starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, got hurt. And they lost the game 20-17. to 17. Then they lost the next game to Illinois in nine overtimes. And so when I look at Penn State, if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt, and I understand injuries are part of football, if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt, they're probably looking at a 7-0 start going into Ohio State and nine wins overall. So I don't think they're quite as bad as, la- uh, as the record made them out to be last year. I would also say Sean Clifford is back at quarterback, and I don't think he's great, but I think he's serviceable. Uh, Five-star running back Noah Singleton. They got some difference makers. They got a kid out of the portal from Western Kentucky that could be a difference maker at wide receiver. But finally, I like the schedule. Remember, this was a team that last year had to play at Wisconsin and at Iowa, in addition to at Michigan State, at Ohio State, Michigan at home, Auburn at home. Well, they do still have Auburn in an out-of-conference game. They actually open at Purdue, which I think is a pretty tough out-of-conference, uh, a pretty tough game to start the season Thursday night, uh, a couple weeks from t- tomorrow, actually, as you listen to this on Wednesday. But look at the rest of the schedule. They do not play Wisconsin at all this year. They played on the road last year. Do not play Wisconsin at all. They do not play Iowa at all. They do not play Nebraska at all. Maybe the three best teams out of the other division. They don't play at all. Finally, the in, in-conference games, they get Ohio State at home, they get Michigan State at home, or the, the interconference Big Ten East games. They get Ohio State at home, Michigan State at home. They do have to go to Michigan. Not saying they beat Ohio State, but at least they get them at home. I think this is a top-20 team. I think this could be, with the right breaks, the second-best team in the Big Ten East. There's no reason that they shouldn't be ranked. Finally, let's go to the SEC. I don't get Tennessee not being ranked. Tennessee was a great story last year. First year, Josh Heupel, obviously all the Jeremy Pruitt stuff that we talked about earlier uh, a few weeks ago. Josh Heupel comes in and they win seven games. Josh Heupel comes in and they win seven games against maybe the toughest schedule in college football. I don't think it was tougher than Arkansas, but you know, you get the point. It's like they played a really tough schedule last year. You look at who they beat and how they beat them. They got better as the season went on. And as I've talked about many times with Tennessee, week two, they lose to Pitt at home. 
Hennon Hooker, their, who ended up being their starting quarterback, did not start that game. If he starts that game, they probably win. Later in the season, they play Ole Miss. Hennon Hooker gets hurt late, and if he finishes the game, they, prob- they could win that game. They were driving for the go-ahead score. So you do some quick math. Hennon Hooker starts against Pitt, finishes against, against uh, excuse me, Ole Miss. We're probably looking at a team with two more wins. This year, the schedule obviously isn't easy. They have Georgia on the road and Alabama at home. But I will say this. They get LSU in a cross-division game. Never easy playing at LSU. But if you're ever going to get LSU, this feels like the year that you want them early in the season when LSU is still figuring things out under Brian Kelly. They get Kentucky at home, which I think is a swing game. They get Florida at home, which I think is a swing game. And I'll just tell you, I think Tennessee is, is the second-best team in the SEC East. Sorry, Kentucky fans, it's the truth. And I think they are underrated by not being ranked at all. I just want to do take a quick break, come back, and when I do, we are going to answer your questions. Mailbag segment, I got a few of them. We're going to answer all of them next, talk a little bit about some NIL stuff, uh, college basketball NCAA tournament. Could we be losing automatic bids? I think we might be down the road. Very dumb. We'll discuss that next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, how about our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook? Incredible offer for those of you who love Major League Baseball. Bet $5 on any team, any game. You're a fan of Cincinnati. You're a fan of Houston. You're a fan of Chicago, Boston, New York, whoever. Bet $5 on any team. And whether they win or lose, you get $100 in free bets, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right, $5 on any team, $100 in free bets, whether they win or lose. Unbelievable offer. Here is how you can take advantage. Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $5 money line bet on any any team. And whether your team wins, whether your team loses, you get $100 in free bets courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. It is the best deal going in sports betting, so go ahead and act now. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITHIN in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Thank you again to our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll tell you this, on top of that MLB offer, DraftKings has a great offer for the folks in the state of Kansas. Rock chalk, baby. How about my Jayhawks? Kansas has legal sports betting coming, and if you click the link, I'm going to give you a link in the show description. It's also pinned on top of my Twitter page. If you click the link and you sign up and you're a first-time user in the state of Kansas, you get $100 in free bets just for signing up right then and there, and those $100 will take place. Obviously, you'll get them as soon as legal sports betting comes to Kansas, but you can sign up now. No need to wait. That link is attached to my show description, or to the show description, also to my Twitter page. Very much appreciate your support. With that said, I do want to wrap with our Wednesday mailbag segment. I think by now you know the drill. Um, this show is, you know, it has my name on it, but it is about you guys and girls as much as it is about me. It is about the community that we have built around this show. And so every Wednesday, I like to open up a mailbag segment to all you guys and girls that have questions for me that you want answered. As I always say, my only rules on the mailbag, the questions cannot get me fired from any of my jobs, cannot get me arrested, and it cannot get me divorced. So if you ask me to rank, you know, my top three ex-girlfriends or something, that's probably not something I'm going to answer on this show. But you can ask me about life. You can ask me about sports. You can ask me about whatever. Send in all your questions, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. Let's get to the first one. Austin Foster, he is an Arkansas fan. He says, not sure if you've seen this yet, but can you discuss how big this potentially could be for Arkansas basketball recruiting? And so what Austin sent along, was an article that came out last week. There was a big press conference before Arkansas left for its summer tour in Europe, which, by the way, I watched the first game. Arkansas looked awesome. Uh, But there was a link to an article that uh, Brian Hunt, who is the now now owner of J.B. Hunt Trucking, big-time trucking company down in the southeast portion of the country, big Arkansas Razorback supporter, he put together an NIL program for the Arkansas men's basketball program in which every single player on the roster gets taken care of. Now, what I would say, I'm sure there's other SEC fan bases, oh, that's this, that's that. A lot of schools have done this. Uh, Texas Tech the other day came out with a program that every player on their roster in football gets 25000 I saw SMU, I think, is at like the $30,000 range. 
Michigan State is at the $50,000 range for every men's football or every football player, men's and women's basketball player, and Arkansas is the latest. Now, I have not seen the dollar amount in terms of what each individual player will get, but my couple quick thoughts are, are pretty straightforward. First of all, it's great for Arkansas basketball players, right? I mean, this is why NIL was intended, and I would much rather have something like this set up team-wide across the board than a five-star recruit getting a bunch of money under the table and us calling it NIL. I like the fact that everybody's getting some. I like the fact that the 13th player on the team doesn't have to feel left out. And I think it's really, really, really cool. And then obviously the more more marketable players, in Arkansas's case, they've got two or three guys that are probably going to be first-round picks. They have their own agent. That agent goes and gets them their own NIL deals. And they're going to make even more on top of the baseline of everything else. But in terms of recruiting, what I would say is a couple things. I certainly don't think it will hurt recruiting, but what I would add is I was actually asked this question on a a radio show as well. John Neighbors, who hosts a great radio show down in Little Rock, he had me on on Tuesday afternoon, and we talked a little bit about this. And what I would say is at the end of the day, all the NIL stuff is nice, but whether it's football, men's basketball, etc., most of these kids are still going to go to the schools, the best players, I should say, are going to go to the schools that put them in the best position to succeed in college and most importantly, prepare them for the NBA. It is why Alabama, after all of Nick Saban's yelling and screaming a few months ago about Texas A&M, they had the number two class last year. They have the number one class right now in the country. They, them and Notre Dame are going back and forth but Alabama has fewer commitments. Alabama has by far the highest ranked class per recruit. And so I bring it up because you can talk all you want about NIL. The best thing that Arkansas has going for it in terms of basketball recruiting is two things. They're winning at an insane level, back-to-back elite eights, and more importantly, Eric Musselman is putting guys in the NBA and they are having success. Moses Moody played at, at Arkansas two years ago, now in the NBA, just won an NBA championship with the Golden State Warriors. He is very much part of their future as they transition out of the Steph Curry era. Uh, Caleb Martin, who played at Arkansas under Eric Musselman, just signed a big-time extension uh, with the Miami Heat. Three years, $20 million. And so the best thing that can happen to Arkansas is to keep getting elite players and keep getting them to the NBA where they have success. Obviously, if Nick Smith Jr. is the number one pick in the draft next year, and I think he might be, that's big for Arkansas basketball. If they have three first-round picks, maybe four the way Trevon Brazil, their their transfer from Missouri looked today, I think we're living in a world where maybe, just maybe, they get four first-round picks. That's the best thing that can happen for Arkansas recruiting. So it's a great question by Austin. It's not to dismiss it. It certainly doesn't hurt in recruiting, but I do still think the best thing you can have going, it doesn't matter how much money, it doesn't matter if it's 25000 per player or a million dollars per player. The best thing in recruiting is still going to be, can you get guys into your program? Can they win in college? And can they get to the NBA and be prepared? Next question, Mike Rogers down in Virginia. AT, have you seen all these reports that low major schools, we're now talking about college basketball, Mike Rogers. AT, have you seen these reports that low major schools think that they could get shut out of automatic bids and that automatic bids could be eliminated from the NCAA tournament? What do you think of this? And so Mike Rogers is referencing a couple different things. One, first of all, Jeff Goodman actually said this probably about two weeks ago. I think it was the week that I was on vacation, which might have been why I didn't talk about it at the time. But then Florida, uh, Florida Gulf Coast school president a few days ago said the same. He said that he believes that we are headed towards a world where we might have no automatic bids for the NCAA tournament 
essentially eliminating all the small schools that are in there. So the St. Peter's run of this year does not happen. Florida Gulf Coast, when they had Andy Enfield as their head coach, it does not happen. Basically, it would be a event run by the power conferences, more power conference teams than ever before, fewer small schools. And what I would say to this is two things. One, I obviously hate it, but two, this continues a trend of everything that I've talked about on this show, and I don't think there's anybody in the world, I don't think there's anybody in the world that loves college sports more than I do. But what if I continue to tell you about college sports? It is now being run and decisions are being made by people that only care about money and do not care about the health of college sports. And frankly, I hate to say it, they do not care about you and I as fans of this stuff. And I, I, we can go back to the first segment. Kevin Warren, Big Ten. The Big Ten was going to make money hand over fist in this TV contract with or without USC. Now they go get USC and UCLA. They cripple the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is obviously on shaky legs, as we just discussed. And we just, you know, he didn't do that. He did that because it's for the best for the Big Ten. It's going to make them the most money. And it is good for the 16 schools in that league, not because it's good for college sports as a whole. Greg Sankey, who I love, he didn't take Texas and Oklahoma because it's good for, for college sports as a whole. He did it because... It is what was best for the SEC. Expanding the college football playoff, I think, is going to hurt college football. I think the bowl system is great. I've said many times. I think Baylor, as an example, we just talked about Baylor. I think Baylor going to a Sugar Bowl, winning the Big 12, is a better, more satisfying finish to a season for Baylor than going to the college football playoff and losing to Alabama by 30. I just do. And so... What this says to me, I think we're going to get there. I think there's going to be public pushback. And maybe we do get to a world where there's so much public sentiment to keep the NCAA tournament the way it is. It's the perfect sporting event. It's the one sporting event ever. Like, like nobody has any issue with the NCAA tournament. You watch all day. You bet it. You hang out with your friends. You drink beer at 9 in the morning on the West Coast, uh, you know, noon on the East Coast. You go to the sports book. You hang out with friends. You fill out a bracket. Everybody loves that, and I think we all understand that if we eliminate the automatic bids, if we eliminate the small schools, the Murray States, the Moorhead States, the St. Peter's, the Florida Gulf Coast, it's not going to make a better, more entertaining tournament. But again, these decisions are not being made by people who care about college sports. They care about making the most money possible and care about making the most money possible for themselves. So, of course, the Big Ten wants 12 teams in the NCAA tournament, and the SEC wants 11, and whatever other conference emerges as a power conference wants 10. That's just the world that we live in. I hate it. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope we get pushback. And I'll just say this is that, you know, part of it's going to be up to you and me as fans to really push back on this. Finally, I'll say this. There is something I want to talk about that wasn't really asked as a question, but I want to talk about it anyway. And it is an interesting development in the Kevin Durant stuff with the Brooklyn Nets. And I'll just say this, man. We're going to do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong on Friday. I don't know if there's ever been a more Aaron right than about three months ago when I said that the era of NBA stars signing with a team and completely getting control over everything is over. I said it a couple months ago, and I think I'm going to be 100% right because I don't know if you guys and girls saw what happened this week, but Kevin Durant met with the Brooklyn Nets owner. Uh, Kevin Durant said that he did not like the direction of the team. 
and that it was up to the owner. He, it was either him or it was the coach, Steve Nash, and the GM, Sean Marks. One of the two was not going to work. Either you kept him and you fired the coach and the GM, or he wanted to trade. Well, did you see what Joe Sy, the owner, tweeted out on, on Tuesday morning? He said, our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Shout out Joe Sy. And what I would just say is this confirms everything that I've told you over the last three, four, five weeks, three, four, five months really dating back to April. We had an era of about eight to 10 years, starting with when LeBron went to Miami, where players and player empowerment became a thing. I am not anti-player empowerment. What I am anti, though, is the idea that a star player goes somewhere and dictates everything, dictates who his coach is, dictates who his, who his teammates are, dictates who the GM is, dictates who you draft, dictates if you trade draft picks. That's what I'm anti, and that is what we've seen in the NBA. And every once in a while it works. It worked in Cleveland when LeBron was there and they won the title in 2016, but it was also a complete disaster by the time he left. Had no draft picks, had no superstars. They were a mess. Credit to that team because they've drafted well since he left. Drafted Evan Mobley, drafted Colin Sexton, drafted Darius Garland. But it was a big dig out. And so I think what NBA teams are saying now is like, look, we want these superstars. But there has to be a balance here. And it has to be what I've talked about for the last couple months. I'm not saying, uh, you know, Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Tom Brady or whomever Shut up and dribble. Shut up and play. Shut up and don't have an opinion on anything. But there's a reason that for years, players weren't... G like, like There's a reason that for years, we had a pretty straight structure where the GM picked the players, the coaches coached the players, and the players played. Last couple of years, players want to be the GM, players want to be the front office, players want to be everybody. That's what happened with Brooklyn. Kevin Durant comes in. Him and Kyrie, they picked the coach, Steve Nash. Kevin Durant picked his superstar teammate, Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant said, trade all our draft picks for James Harden. James Harden doesn't work out. He says, trade James Harden for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't work out. And so I'm sitting here like, 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 at what point does the NBA superstar take accountability? At what point does Kevin Durant, he doesn't like the direction of the organization. The organization is in this mess because of you, Kevin Durant. And so I think it's working both ways is I think, one, the Brooklyn Nets are saying, dude, you got four years left on your contract. Go, go put on your sneakers. It's time to play. But then, two, what we're also seeing, other NBA teams are like, I don't want that mess. I don't care how talented Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant is going to be 34 years old this year, uh, coming off major injuries uh, in two of the last, you know, major Achilles injury, nagging injuries this year. He doesn't play 82 games, and in a year he's unhappy. And so I'm not going to concede my entire organization to him, just like the Lakers are pushing back on LeBron James and some of the trades that he wants to make. I'm not going to concede my entire organization to him when in a year he's going to be unhappy and want to be traded again. I give credit to Joe Sy. I give credit to, frankly, the Lakers organization as they're doing it. And you know who else I give credit to? These young superstars in the NBA that have bought in to what you know, the team concept is about. I haven't heard John Morant demand a coach be fired. I haven't heard John Morant demand this player be traded. Same with Jason Tatum in Boston. Same, by the way, with Steph Curry at Golden State. I can criticize Steph Curry and Draymond Green till the cows come home for, for certain things through the years. But as I've said many times, when that team struggled after Kevin Durant left, 
Steph Curry easily could have said, trade all these draft picks. I want players that are going to help us win now. Instead, he trusted the process, trusted the front office, trusted the coaching staff. They came back. They're young. They're dynamic. And they're built to win in the long haul. So wanted to quickly touch on the KD rumors because I just give Joe Size so much credit. Him basically saying, dude, I'm sorry, but we got a business to run. You're a player. You're a really talented player. But go ahead uh, and we're just going to – it's just we're not doing it. We're not doing it. No disrespect. Good luck. But we're not trading you. We support the coach. We support the GM. It's on you to figure out how to get right. And, oh, by the way, a lot of this mess that we currently find ourselves in is thanks to you. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, time for me to get out of here. Really fun Wednesday show for August. You know, sometimes I just wonder, like, like what are we going to talk about? And stuff just presents itself. So shout out to the Big Ten. Shout out to the coaches poll. It's time for me to get out of here. Before I do, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed. Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. Do me a quick favor. Leave a rating and review. We have a couple really good ratings and reviews. Maybe I'll read them next show because I appreciate you guys and girls doing that. Really does help the show kind of move up those iTunes charts. So thank you to J.R. Chesh and Big Blue Grammy. I'll read your uh, 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 reviews the next episode. But thank you guys and girls for your support. Make sure you're subscribed. A lot of good stuff coming in these next couple weeks. And I would add this too. If you're not uh, subscribed to the college football betting show, make sure to do so. Uh, We got a lot of good stuff coming there. Find us on YouTube, college football betting. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe there. really does help that grow as well. You want to support Torres. That is the best thing that you can do for us. Other than that, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres, Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Uh, We got all uh, all the team specific pages rolling. Aaron Torres, uh, uh, Torres on UK for Kentucky. Torres on the Hogs, great new, great new uh, leader of that page. Uh, Torres on Bama. Torres on Auburn. Torres on the Vols. Torres on Texas A&M. Torres on UConn. Torres on Arizona and Indiana too. With that said, I think it is time for me to get out of here. I'm rambling long enough. Uh, it is time for me to go. Want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's show, and thank you all for your support. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me. I'll be back Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.